The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Talk of the Tune, a football podcast. My name's Will, and as usual, I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Gray and Hodge. Hello, lads. Oi. Hello. hello, hello. Happy Saturday. Well, not so happy Saturday if we uh, if we look at the last result, which was a disgraceful 1-0 loss away at Sheffield United, who until that point had not won a single game this year and had scored eight goals in 17 games. We did call it though, didn't we? I'm sure someone said that Sheffield are going to beat us. Not in our predictions, but I'm sure. Was it Haji? Did you say this? Uh... Was it not me when I said it could have been another derby? Derby in 2007 mm. and eight, yeah, where right, yeah. it was the lowest yeah, point it, yeah, ever yeah. recorded in oh, the Premier our League. predictions and... were 4 0 Will, 2 0 <laughs> 2 0 me, and we've just been blown out of the fucking water. <laughs> I guess that'll teach us for being optimistic. I think learnings from that is never be optimistic ever again. We have to be cynical. Well, we are negative Newcastle, aren't we? So yeah. <sighs> yeah, the negative Newcastle podcast. That's the one. I don't actually remember spirits ever being this low. Even when you hark back to like Kinnear's time, Carver's time, especially Steve McLaren's time, Steve Bruce's first season last year. I don't remember spirits being so low and kind of morale being so damaged mm. in the Newcastle fan base. I think one thing, Hodge, I think I said this to you maybe, but one thing particularly that might be saving Bruce or giving Bruce a bit more time is the fact that fans can't get into the stadium to voice their displeasure and they can't be there yeah. to boo and boycott. You know, it just doesn't have the same effect because Ultimately, as long as the Newcastle hierarchy are ignoring NUFC Twitter and all the social media um, like uproar, then they could think it's just absolutely rosy and it's carry on as normal. Yeah, I think I text my dad about that saying, like, I think it was in the Fulham game where Matt Ritchie scored her own goal just before half time, but we were very, very negative. I was like, can you imagine being there at half time? The amount of boos and stuff and jeers that would have been against Bruce and the way the format was working on the field, it, it would have been absolutely definite. Like, what were you saying, Gray? Well, you, you say that the hierarchy listened to the boos and the and the heckles in the stadium when fans are there and there's fifty or thousand Geordies like booing away at half time or chanting Bruce your shit get out yeah I mean I mean I'm sure this is there's a chant in there somewhere um, yeah, but but I, I don't think we listen to it like you, you mentioned Steve McLaren you look at the the situation that he got us in basically Benitez came in and there is this buzz around the club but it was it was far too too little to make right. McLaren had already yeah. Defined that season and that and had Benitez had a couple more games, then maybe he could have saved us. But it's the same when uh, who was it? Was it when Allardyce got sacked and Shearer came in? It was like there was that buzz around the club again, and it was just again too little to late. Not that I'm saying Shearer would have saved us because he's obviously got no no managerial experience, especially uh, 
Premier League level, but it's the club are just they they just need to they need to be start being yeah proactive and make a decision because at the minute, like I say, just the negativity around the club it, it's spoiling the fun for all the fans. And if they think when fans are allowed back in, they're going to sell fifty two thousand seats, they're having a laugh. They are having a complete laugh. And I'll just just come in here quickly. I think the parallels are, are actually quite stark. I think I think it was Allard, did Keegan not replace Allardyce and we had Chris Hewton somewhere in the middle and it was Shearer that replaced Keegan in the end when Keegan left the club. I think so. Is that not how it went? I can't remember. That's, I'll, I'll have a look. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But anyway, I think you're right in saying that, you know, Ashley moves far too late. And he acts far too late. And as you say perfectly, the damage is already done. It was done for McLaren. He came in. That was a complete shit show. He took us down ultimately. And despite the best efforts of Rafa in terms of invigorating the club, he, he couldn't save us. That was a job too, you know, too far. But fortunately, he stayed around for the next season in the championship. Yeah, Sam Allardyce was sacked in January and then we brought Keegan in. January, he lasted till September, obviously, which then Joe Kinnear came in for his first, well, his only spell as manager, but first into the club. And then Shearer was brought in uh, after Houston was in charge for six games temporarily after Kinnear was sacked. Well, that was a... A big clusterfuck of a of a season, wasn't it? Really, in hindsight, I think we were probably right to go down. You can't go through that many managers in one season and not stay up, can you? <laughs> the writing's been on the wall for like eighteen months since Bruce came in. We did a lot better than we should have done last season, which Shearer picks up on perfectly in his latest article in the Athletic. But before I get into that, Hodgie, did you have a point? Sorry, I, I realise you've had your hand. <laughs> Sorry, um, I was just kind of going to make it a bit more relevant to to kind of the, the last game against Sheffield and, and what we've done in the past. So I've I've had a little bit of a, a look at some results. So currently, against the bottom four this season, we've taken four points out of a possible nine. Last season under Bruce, we took eight out of a possible eighteen against the three that went down. We won mm-hmm. both games against Bournemouth. We drew and lost against Watford and we lost and drew against Norwich. And then the season before, which is a bit of a comparison against Rafa, who was a bit more proactive when it came to playing the teams at the bottom, we got 14 out of 18. Now, to be successful, and I mean be successful as in keep above the relegation zone, you need to be thumping the teams that are down the bottom three. You need to be consistently beaten or getting at least a point. And the, the Sheffield game was the worst thing that I've ever seen in my life. And just to put on your point of the, the spirits being so low, I literally nearly threw my phone at the TV. <laughs> yeah. The most uninspired performance I think I've ever seen. And well, we'll, we'll get on to it in a bit with, with Bruce's comments, but he can't come out and say that we were poor. He has to own that a bit more and not try any. I think he shifted it on the players quite early on in the post-match yeah. conference. He's only now in the last day or two, actually owned up and said, it was my fault. He should have done that from the start. He should have said, oh, we've come to Sheffield, a team that hasn't won all season. They've only scored eight goals and we played five at the back and we've had at least nine men in our own half at all times, which is just absolutely pathetic. So to go back on that point there, we need to be attacking these teams more. Like They're in the bottom three for a reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And it's obvious to everyone other than Steve Bruce. And it's just quite comical. I mean, you've touched on it perfectly there, but 
it's definitely a culmination of the last 18 months. The writing's been on the wall, as I said. We know how we play because, unfortunately, we're the ones that have to sit through 90 minutes mm. nearly every week. Like, we we know, and, and suddenly it takes a result like this to bring it to everyone's attention. And the number of messages I got from non-Newcastle fans after that game just being like, oh, so the Sheffield United result. It's really embarrassing. Mm. I mean, Hodge, I didn't actually know that about Rafa being a bottom of the table kind of struggling club slayer, but that's the sign of a good manager. And I think it's all good, Stevie Bruce coming out and saying, well, you know, we've put in really good performances against the big teams over the last few weeks. And it's like, we yeah, have we yeah have but what do we have to show for it? Like, we played well against Liverpool. Yeah, we got one point. We played well against Liverpool. I think that's probably his only... His only jump-off point. Mm-hmm. That's his only reference point. And he's going he's gonna to sit on that and go, well, I got a point against Liverpool, who are the reigning champion. It wasn't even his point. It was Darlow's point. Darlow yeah, kept exactly. him in that game. And he's kept him in so many other games this season. Like, he's ruined his luck so long. Yeah, I just don't know what... I don't know what position we'd be in if we didn't have Darlow putting in these shifts week in, week out. Great. Just to touch on a few points you mentioned there, one in particular where you said everyone's kind of now sitting up and actually realising actually Newcastle aren't as good as their results may suggest. And I think I think a lot of Bruce not owning it has been because so many pundits in particular have been blowing smoke up his ass saying, mm-hmm. look at the position Newcastle are in, they're doing great, they're, they're sitting comfortably mid-table. But, I mean, look at us now, uh, we might have a completely different, different story. And I think reading Mark Lawrence's predictions on BBC, uh, I think he's finally cottoned on that Newcastle, they don't play shit. We, we've actually got extremely lucky in a lot of the games we played. I think Tottenham Hotspur was, yeah. was probably the, the prime example of that. We we got a um, penalty in the last yeah, minute. Yeah. And to be fair, you could argue that the handball against uh, Fede on, at Sheffield was, was not a handball. I mean... The player is clearly grappling with, uh, with Fede. Yeah. What what can you do if his arm? He's trying to run flat out, mm. and his and the ball pops up and hits his arm. If that's a handball, then okay. I don't know. I thought the rules had changed since that Eric Dyer incident when he jumped and the ball was headed against his arm. I thought it well, they supposedly had have, but it clearly hasn't. And for the referee to go look at VAR and not see that it's a blatant foul against Fernandez, that that angered me. And I only watched ten minutes of the game, and that's all. I, that's all I saw. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Hodge and I sat through the whole fucking thing. Um, it what it it was just an awful, awful game. But Hodge, I think you talk about the Tottenham result. We can go for as far back as last season, and the one that really sticks out for me was when we drew. 2-2 with Everton away mm-hmm. and they played us off the park for the entire game it should have been theirs should have been three points in the bag for them 2-0 and then Lejeune pops up with like two goals in like the 95th yeah. and 97th minute was he not so done as well yeah he came on didn't he that's good and he, yeah I just complete smash and grab and I think that's what Stevie Bruce is he's a, he's a smash and grab artist you'll try and ride his luck and sit behind the ball and just protect the nil-nil until as late as possible and then somehow hope that we pop up and, you know, we panic the opposition and we, we come away with something in the end. But it's fucking comical. And I think every time I see something come up, I just think this is another excuse for the, the pundit patrol and it's another excuse for Bruce. So the VAR stuff, he obviously, Brucey, when he's in front of the cameras, is absolutely furious about that. And, and you know, this has not gone our way and da 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 da. No, long before any of that stuff happened, yeah. we were shit. The game should have been dead and buried before that incident. Long, long before. They were all over us from the start. And that comes from us setting up with five at the back. 
against the bottom of the table team. Any manager worth their salt would not do what Bruce did. Oh no! Well, he's just he's admitted in past interviews that he doesn't really believe in tactics, and he, he's he's not a he's not a tactician by any stretch of the word. But what? Who says that? As a Premier League manager, who comes out and says that? What? What are you then? What are you offering? He's not good at what he's he's employed to do. He's employed to set the team up. He's employed to implement these tactics to beat other teams. And he's just last out just said he's not very good at it, or he doesn't believe in it. It's like you don't believe yeah. in COVID yet. Two million people around the world have died. <laughs> like, come on, like what are you playing at? You I just don't watch? understand what else you can be in this day and age in the way that football is in 2021 now. How can you not be a tactician? It's all about tactics this day and age. You can't hope to play, you know, a long ball to a tall man and and hope to be a, a motivator, which, by the way, I do not think he is. I think he totally has lost the dressing room, especially since his, uh, since his post-match comments. I don't know what the fuck he offers, but if we just quickly go through... Sorry, if we just quickly go through the events of the game and then we can kind of jump... We can jump off that. We talk about Bruce resting on VAR and saying, you know, it was VAR's fault. And, you know, obviously Ryan Fraser got sent off, which, by the way, I think two yellow cards in the space of three minutes is not good enough. And I don't know what Ryan Fraser was thinking. It's not a very good start to his Newcastle United career. And in the words of Kevin Keegan, he's a, he went down in my estimations. It's just not good enough. But then we move on to things like Billy Sharp going down the back of uh, Fabian Scher's heel. That's a blatant red card, and I challenge anyone that said it's not. Uh, what's VAR doing there? We had a penalty shout for a handball. VAR did not give that, but in terms of consistency, you can't be given the Sheffield United one either. I don't think they're excuses because, as Hodge said, it should have been dead and buried long before that, and they've played us off the park, and that's all with the way we've set up. But it's absolutely comical. Hodgey, I think you maybe had your hand up first, so I'll go to you. Yeah, there, there was clear th- things that were wrong with, with the game fundamentally, but outside of the white lines on the pitch, Bruce has clearly lost the dressing room. There was no discipline on the pitch. Everybody was outran. Everyone looked so fed up that they didn't want to fucking be there. And why would you if you're a Premier League player who I would say we could have a decent attack inside and they're, they're told to go and play 5-4-1 when they're probably looking at it, this going, oh, get in, lads, we're going to have three points here. Callum Wilson's going to get his goal bonus against Sheffield because they're shite. But then we have no chance and no drive because Bruce is not there to motivate the players. He's not. He hasn't put things in place to get players to play for him now. It's mm. way past being righted completely. Yeah. And he says he said now or oh, now the gloves are off. We can I can I can now play my style of football. Fuck they me. Why haven't you done that from the fucking start? If if we're gonna now see really attacking football and a bit more expansive, why the fuck hasn't he done it from the get go and given the Premier League an actual run for its money rather than sitting back and letting teams just shit on us left, right and centre? I think this ties into my point Quite nicely. I think we were talking about obviously Bruce not being a tactician and what I, I mentioned something a, a couple of weeks ago about how English managers are no longer up to up to scratch when it comes to Premier League managers. And it does come down to them not being tacticians. You look at a lot of the managers from the continent, all they do is they set tactics, they analyse the hell out of the opposition and they find mm-hmm. ways to play against them. And in order to survive in the Premier League, that's exactly what we need, and Bruce clearly hasn't got it. And if the players, the players should also almost be standing up. And I think 
possibly a couple of them have been, which is why we've seen some strange team selections. Like where's Shelby been? I think Shelby may have had a word or two with uh, with Bruce mm-hmm. ASM as well. Yes, he's had long COVID and he's just appearing back in training now. But and even the cells, there's uh, these rumors going around about the cells and ASM questioning Bruce. I don't think they came from nowhere. Mm, 100%. And I wouldn't be surprised if the reason why they haven't been there is because they have caused some upset to Bruce, just questioning yeah. the way he plays. And he may have just brushed it under the carpet by saying, no, they've been suffering by long COVID. But it doesn't matter if you're if you're employed by the football club to play football and you watch us on telly like they have been doing for the past how many weeks? You, mm-hmm. you phone up your manager and say, what the fuck are you doing? Come on. Yeah. It's not just Bruce's head on the line, it's the players as well, because professionally they obviously want to grow. And if they have ambitions to play for world beaters such as like Real Madrid and other big teams, and I'm saying we're not not a small club, but you know what I mean? And in grand respect of things, they've all won trophies recently. Every other team's got European football, which is what a player wants to do. They have to be doing that. And I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if ASM hasn't said something because he is a bit of a go-getter. He wants to play European football. He wants to be the man of the hour, you know what I mean? So I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. He's not being shy of speaking his mind in, uh, in public either. And I, I fully respect him for that. He said he wants to go Absolutely. on to, uh, to to win things. And we as Newcastle fans are still almost blind to the fact that we're not that stepping stone club. We want to be in amongst those top clubs in the country, in the, in Europe. But... I, I think it's uh, those days have long gone. They left when, uh, well, since probably Bobby Robson left in the early 2000s. Mm. I think those days have, uh, yeah, they're, they're long, long gone. Yeah. Can I just touch on the tactics thing as well? Um, I think the way that you can look at it is that every Premier League game is like a game of chess and you need to have some sort of strategy to go out there. And just to kind of back up what you were saying there, Gray, like it, it needs to happen in this day and age. Like you can't, you can't go out onto a Premier League football pitch against some of these top managers or even managers of like mid-table and go against them with no idea and just let the players run around and do what do what they want. Like that's that is not okay. That's that might be okay for League Two when you've got really poor conditions to play on in retrospect compared to the Premier League. You can lump balls forward, you need strength, it's more about physicality there, but the Premier League is all about skill and finite skill and your finite skill being that even micro bit better than what your opposition is just to grind out a 1-0 win. It's the 1%. So 1% oh, here, that is, is, is going to win your game. You look at you look at Man City, Liverpool, you put two of the top teams in the world at the minute against each other. The one with that 1% edge, whether that be 1% fitter, 1% more skillful, 1% more well quicker on the ball are going to end up winning that game and it's, it's something which uh, Clive Woodward touched on when England won the World Cup uh, Rugby World Cup uh, in 2003 was it uh, basically it's all about the 1% differences you, you're an elite level athlete you should be the fittest you can be you, you're there to play sport and you spend your life doing that you as a team come together and you find those 1% increments and that's how you win and I don't think Bruce is the man to even recognise that and one other thing, I think, just before we move on, just watching all the documentaries that are out now, you've got the Tottenham Hotspur, you've got Leeds United, you've got even the Sunderland ones. So, yeah, Sunderland's more about the football club than actual the playing staff when you look at the Leeds and Tottenham ones on Amazon, the all or nothings. You see how involved Bielsa and Mourinho are. They, they, they spend hours of their day studying the opposition, like setting these tactics and thinking of solutions around it. I imagine Bruce does his four hours of training and is off to the golf course. Pie shop. I don't know. 
Or the pie shop. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably, probably calls in at the pie shop on his way to the golf course. Yeah. He he needs to live and breathe football. Uh, times have changed. You can't just do your three, four hours of training and then bugger off to play golf. Mm. Unfortunately, times have changed. I think just to to summarize and summarize the what we've spoken about Sheffield game. It's just a culmination of, of the misery that we've had to sit through for the last 18 months or whatever since Bruce has been manager. People are now starting to notice that. It's a shame that people can't get into the stadium to voice their displeasure because I think that would put real pressure on the on the hierarchy and on the club and on Steve Bruce himself because I very much doubt that he's on Twitter or he's on social media and he can see what people are saying about him. Mm-hmm. He can see the pundits and he can see the Alan Shearers coming out and that won't avoid his radar. The pressure... I feel is starting to ramp up. The journalists are starting to put questions to him about his job and about his job safety and his job security. This feels like maybe the beginning of the end when the press start putting the pressure on and we can hope, we can cross our fingers, but I don't see us having a knight in shining armour lined up to try and save us this season. Um, Sheffield United game, tactics were all wrong. We started with five at the back against a team who bottomed the table, not good enough. Ryan Fraser getting sent off. Not good enough. Two silly yellow cards in the space of three minutes. I think he's done well to go under the radar. Not been impressed with him so far this season. I really hope he improves and he can get himself in the right headspace when he comes back. We obviously had a penalty decision go against us in terms of when it was reviewed by VAR. But then consistency for the Sheffield United penalty. Both handballs, not good enough on that front. Sharp should have been sent off. I know they'd already scored by this point, but 10 against 10 changes the complexion of the game for the last 10 minutes or whatever. Hodgie makes a good point. Rafa was good at at beating the teams at the bottom of the table and picking up what should be quite easy points. Since the game, Brucey's obviously come out and admitted he's picked the wrong team against Sheffield United. I totally agree. Obviously, Brucey promises four at the back against Arsenal. Probably the one time you may want to play five at the back. So interesting to see how that goes. We'll come on to the Arsenal game now, but it's annoying to see that Bruce retains the support of Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley, famous, as we've just quoted some some examples, famous for acting too late once the damage is done. And I feel like the momentum we have is going in the wrong direction. There's not that big of a gap between us and the bottom three now. We have a hard run of games coming up. So I think we're we're definitely going to be dragged into a relegation fight, which Brucey concedes himself. He's said in the press that we are now in a relegation fight when six months ago, maybe, he said we should be doing better than the mid-table position we were in. Well, I think the contrast there is stark. He's clearly going to dig in. He's not going to, he's not going to walk away. So it's going to take Ashley to sack him. So this comes back to something you were saying on, on Lascelles and ASM, Gray, but Bruce claims that he has been accommodating players' tactical demands. I'm obviously not a Premier League footballer, but I wouldn't imagine that many Premier League footballers would demand to play football in the way that we are playing football. Who wants to go out and play like that? Don't believe that for one second, Brucey. I don't know what you're doing. He's damaging relations with the dressing room now. The tactics aren't now on the pitch. I don't see him motivating us out of this. It's an absolute fucking shipwreck. Brucey's done it quite well himself. In one of his written articles, I think it was for The Guardian, but this is verbatim, this is word for word. Brucey comes out and says, we were absolutely friggin' hopeless the other night. We were absolutely shite. Unfortunately, that's happened a little too often in my 18 months here. It was nowhere near good enough for the challenge ahead. Maybe it's a mentality thing. You just, yeah. You just half expect him to say, and that's the reason why I'm stepping down from this post at the end of that. 
That's all it's missing. I, I really question whether Bruce is this lifelong Newcastle United fan that he and the press claim him to be. I really don't think he is a Newcastle United fan. I think, if anything, he's a Manchester United fan. And I think he's not acting like a Newcastle fan. He needs a bit more about him if we're going to get out of any trouble. Uh, I think there's no way back for him, in my eyes. I can't ever see him going on to be a, a successful Newcastle United manager who starts their career in this way and then goes on to great things. No one. He needs to do the honourable thing and he needs to go. And he needs to go before the damage is completely done and we can't get ourselves out of it. Welcome back again to the Negative Newcastle podcast. <laughs> but but I, again, we've talked about this before in the past as well. You don't know what we're feeling. So outside fans, people who are not fans of Newcastle United, you don't know what we're feeling because you don't have to sit through it every single week. And it's awful. Hodge, you said this early on. You expect on a Saturday, Saturday afternoon, to go and enjoy your team playing football and enjoy watching them. And it's supposed to be a nice experience at the end of the week when you've worked hard. And we know now that we are building up to a loss pretty much every time we're, we're going to go out. The football's not going to be exciting. We're not going to have a nice time and we just want it to be over with. And it's almost uh, sadomasochistic that we have to sit ourselves in front of a television and force ourselves to watch it every single week. Fuck that. Anyway. <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> ah, anyway, that's my monologue. Let's do a quiz. Let's break things up a little bit because that's just been half an hour of soul-sapping shite. Yeah. Well, don't say anyone's made it all the way through that. Great. Do you have a quiz? I do. Cue that music. I'm going to have that as a ringtone, I swear down. <laughs> great. Take it away. So, Grace, greatest. Hopefully, you all know the score by now. But uh, if not, I've got five clues for uh, a Newcastle legend. Hodgie will text me your answers, please. Well, not to the group. <laughs> I feel like I need to keep reminding you. You know, because, uh, yeah, thanks. It will happen again soon. <laughs> well, and Hodge have their little competition going. Uh, what are the scores? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they're drawing at the minute. Let's just say that. So. <laughs> I think this is this one starts out quite tough for you guys, and then if you don't get it on the fourth one, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. Okay. Okie dokie. Prepared to be disappointed even more. <laughs> <laughs> I captured Newcastle's youth side to FA Youth Cup victory and scored twice in the final against Watford. Hmm. I'm just pumping one in now. Oh, yeah, fuck it. No. Was that no to me? Yeah. Uh, fuck this. You should, you should know this by now, Hodge, still thinking. I don't, I, yeah. I don't even know where to start. Don't even know where to start. I'll move swiftly on. Well, it's not Lee Clark. Thanks. Take that off my list. Yeah, I was going to say. Second clue. I received 57 caps for England. Ooh. So he's obviously played for Newcastle and England, right? 57 caps. Oh, goodness. 57 caps for England. That's not something you can just... It's not like a load, but it's not a little bit as well, you know what I mean? It's like really in the middle. It's, it's quite a lot. It's quite, Yeah, I'd say it's quite a lot. I would say about anything above 70 is a lot. There won't, there won't be many players with over 70 caps for England. 57 caps? He's played for Newcastle as a youth player. Would have went on to probably play first team. Are we talking like, is this a while ago? 
I've deliberately not given a year. Oh, for fuck. So it could be... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's got to be a legend of the club as well. Fuck. Am I thinking too yeah, hard so about it's this? Not, it's not Scott Parker. It would <laughs> <laughs> 57 caps for England and he scored two goals in the FA Youth Cup final yeah as captain as captain being captain probably isn't that important but two two goals scored is very important oh goodness gracious me should I move on no I've got I'm gonna I'm gonna pump one in okay right yeah, quick game's a good game you know Boys. right I'm going I'm going sorry to be honest I'm struggling with one aspect there you go Oh, Will's got it. <laughs> oh, yes! You're struggling yes! with an aspect, so he's got a hard name to spell, I'm guessing. I'm that star up in the sky. I shouldn't have given you so much for thinking time. should have got through the other clues. Uh, yes! I'd say move on, Gray. It's on been then. too long Go for much. Yeah. I made my debut in the Premier League in the 98-99 season, 13 years after I made my debut for Newcastle United. Ah, uh, you bastard. I know who it is now. Oh, we hope. Otherwise, yeah, it's all embarrassing. Well. <laughs> <laughs> ah! oh, well, I got it one round before you, Hodgie. Mm. And then Hodgie only got one, uh, one guess in, so does that mean he gets all points? Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 bullshit, because he, he needed oh, another clue. It's Gray's game. Right. Gray can get whatever rules he wants to play, Will, all right? <laughs> no, no, no. Hodgie leaves. <laughs> yeah, I quite like Gray's, Gray's rules. They're quite good. <laughs> the last couple of clues for anyone who hasn't got it I scored one of the most iconic goals in the game's history against Scotland and what a goal it was oh, that's yeah, a, was yeah that's, a, that's a big one that's a big clue chipping Colin Hendry is it Colin Hendry there's blonde defender chips it over him defender and then buries it in the bottom yeah. corner yeah slots it but if that hasn't given it away then this one will but I'll also throw a bonus one in at the end uh, I famously cried after receiving a yellow card in the semi-final of a 1994 World <laughs> Cup with West Germany which meant I would have been suspended from a final had England won that game and we didn't <laughs> <laughs> we did not really could have so many clues for him <laughs> oh loves, there's hundreds I, loves fishing I, I, I was going to say loves fishing and fried chicken <laughs> <laughs> But then you're also very famous for some very inventive celebrations. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, was it the one after that goal against Scotland, the dentist chair? The dentist chair, yeah. But yeah, an absolute legend of the game. And at its time, one of the best in the world and still has that reputation for Gascoigne. Gaza! Get it, Gaza! Well, what I, what have I taken away from that quiz? One more point than Hodgie. That's all that matters. <laughs> we'll have to do the scores at some point. I want great to listen through all the episodes and recount. To see who is actually winning. <laughs> Gray, would you just like to admit to any listeners that we do have that you've never listened to a single episode that we've ever recorded ever? Uh, I, I've listened to two of them, but I have so much fun at the time that we record that I don't, uh, I don't want to go and ruin that experience by. Uh, by he's fucking, he's unprepared for that one because I've just been getting into him in the pre-recording. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for that, Gray. Gaza, absolute legend. And I got it before Hodgie did. Get in. And here's Gascoigne. Brilliant play! Oh! Take a bow for that! That's unbelievable! Uh, I was struggling with the spelling, though. I didn't know where the I went. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Bit of a tricky one. I just put Gaza. (laughs) Oh, yeah, fuck, I should have just done that. That's what (laughs) took me so long, trying to figure out how to fucking spell his name, man. Let's move swiftly on. Our next game, Monday evening, Monday the 18th of January at 8 o'clock. We will be playing 
Arsenal, the Gooners, playing them away at the Emirates. Not that that really matters anymore. Did you see, by the way, the other day when Arsenal came out to Kurt Angle's entrance music from the WWE? Did they? Yeah. So at half time, they came out to this song that Kurt Angle comes out to. But when Kurt Angle comes out to it, all the fans chant, you suck. <laughs> so it did the rounds like so Kurt even Kurt Angle's like well usually I have 30,000 people shouting you suck at me when I play this music so I don't know what the Arsenal fans are, <laughs> I don't know what Arsenal are trying to say to the players <laughs> but anyway yes Arsenal are next opponents Arsenal a bit of a resurgence at the minute I know they've drawn their their last game against Crystal Palace earlier in the week but prior to that, had been on a four-game winning streak. One of those games being against us when they knocked us out of the FA Cup. But anyway, that's a long and distant memory. I'd like to say it's given us some time to focus on the league. But as you can see, that's not really paying dividend. Uh, this Arsenal game is kind of the start of a flurry of games that we've got. Uh, so we've got quite a compact schedule, which, if anything, is not really going to help us. First question. Let's go to Hodgy. What do we need to change from the Sheffield United game? I know it's not necessarily apples for apples, but what do we need to change and what do we need to do from the offset to get something from the Arsenal game? Have a bit more of a hunting mentality, I think. A decent bit of press, like what we've seen against Liverpool and Leicester, even though the Leicester one didn't quite go our way. But they were quite clinical in how they how they finished off us. But prior to that, <laughs> our pressure was great. We hounded people. We made them make mistakes, which actually helped us gain more possession in those games. Once we got it back, we tried to play about with it a bit more and keep it in and try and settle it down and make it a bit more of an R-pace game. So that's what I'd like to see. Hopefully a bit more motivation in the players comes with that. Yeah. Hopefully get a break, get a goal early on, and then we can then we can assess from there. Yeah, I think being, uh, being optimistic is a good opportunity to put a lot of pressure on this Arsenal side. Quite young, albeit got quite a lot of flair. But I think if we, if we do take it to them, we could cause an upset. Yeah, I think we just want to see some fucking drive and some gusto, and we want to see that the players want it and that the manager wants it. And that all starts with the team sheet and with the formation that we put out. So, Gray, which team and which formation would you like to see Bruce put out for the Arsenal game? I think we're probably all of the same opinion, depending on players who are fit. But I think we need, obviously, four at the back. Are we looking at Clark and Fede in the middle? I'd like to see Adlin keep his place at right back and probably... Well, Dummett's injured, isn't he? So maybe maybe he'll go Shaw and Fernandez at centre back with Clark at left back. Then I'd like to see probably Shelby and Hayden in the middle of the park. Is Shelby's fifth, which I think he is. I think the Longstaff brothers have had their opportunity, especially Sean. Uh, he's been dreadful, so time for him to have a seat. Then Richie, left mid. He brings that fight and desire, which we are so desperate to see. And that little bit of quality on free kicks, putting the crosses in, right mid, Almiron. I think jury's out a lot on him at the minute, but he does put a shift in and he is capable of a moment of brilliance, but I think he's been far too restrained and I would just like to see him have a little bit more freedom. And then up top, I'd like to see, well, obviously Callum Wilson and I'd like to see the return of Joe Linton. I really would. I think he's he, he was really unlucky, I think, to get dropped against Sheffield United because he, he's been playing well. I think a lot of fans may disagree with that, but I think he's been putting in some of the best performances we've seen him put in in a black and white shirt and I think he he is finding a bit more confidence so I think 
it'd be good to see him back. Interesting. Uh, Hodgie, would your starting lineup differ at all to that? Quite similar, to be fair. I think Sean Longstaff needs to be dropped. I think he is one of the biggest culprits for us not retaining possession as much. His passing's real woeful. Some of his tracking back has been pretty bad as well. I like to see maybe his Miggy start on the right and I would like him to be a bit more direct and running with the ball if he can cut inside and try and get a couple of shots away because he has got a bit of a venomous strike on him. So why not? Why not use it? Let's... Let's try and be a team that actually has a shot on goal. I think I sent you guys a stat the other day around the Sheffield United game and it was Newcastle have failed to have a shot on target in six halves this season, which is pretty damn bad. Like, how can, how can, you, how can you go through a game without having, not having a challenge on the opposition mm-hmm. goalkeeper? In, in a half of football? It's 45 minutes. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, quite quite easily, evidently. It's quite quite easy that we can go through a whole fucking half and not have it. Mm. I think from my perspective, yeah, I think it's going to be important to bridge the gap between midfield and the striking threat that Arsenal have. Um, and I think Isaac Hayden does that obviously perfectly. Every single game, I think he's probably my first name on the sheet because we quite often leave too big a gulf in that space uh, in the final third that opposition teams can exploit far too easily. And he comes in, he breaks that up, he prowls that space and he breaks things up so effectively. He's also an ex-Arsenal player, so that brings a bit of an edge. Don't know, every time I've seen John Joe play, he's been a little bit lazy. And obviously you rely on him for the the playmaking ability, finding a pass. I just love to see one through ball this season. You know, someone linking up with Callum Wilson and it not coming from an obscure, obscure way, and it's not coming from Callum Wilson having to drop back into his own half to pick the ball up and try and do something himself. I'd love to see a through ball or a, even a pass going forward that's not in the air that we're just pumping up. But in terms of lineups, I think one area that we've probably missed that's quite important, Martin Dubravka celebrated his birthday this week, so happy birthday to him. So in your opinion, does Carl Darlow retain the number one shirt, or do we resort to tried and tested, old faithful, world-class goalkeeper Martin Dubravka. Let's go to Gray. I think it'd be extremely harsh to drop Darlow. I think he's by far yeah. our best player. There is an argument of, you know what, like, we're, we're in a bit of a rut. We need to play our strongest 11. So does that mean bringing Dubravka back in? Will he bring a little bit more authority to his defenders? I, I don't know. In terms of... I think Darlow's been incredible this year. I think you just have to look at back at previous seasons and yeah, Dubravka needs to come in for me. Really interesting. Hodge, what do you think? Uh, I think it's very harsh to drop Darlow. I think he's done very well. He's been a bit of a rock. Um, in terms of leadership, I think he's doing all right at the back. He's taken us through harder challenges than what I think this Arsenal team is. So for me, if he loses his position to Dubravka, I think it's very, very harsh on the lad. It would be another Steve Bruce master move, wouldn't it? Gives him any other excuse if it goes wrong, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we lost because uh, we've got a new keeper in. He's only just come back. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I personally think we need to stick with Darlow. He's been absolutely brilliant this season. And I think it'll be a crushing blow to not only him, but the dressing room. If he were to if he were to drop him, which I could see him doing, to be honest, because mm. he's a dickhead. But in terms of the lineup, I think I agree. Yedlin keeps his place at right back. We need to stick with Fetty and 
Kieran Clark as the two centre-halves. I would almost go Richie at left-back and then two holding midfielders. One's definitely Hayden. Jury's out. For me, it's either Shelby or Matty Longstaff. It's not Sean, even though Matty probably has the same level of pace that Shelby does. And I think there's probably about 10 years fucking difference or near on. The three sitting behind Callum Wilson would be, in my opinion, if he's fit, ASM comes back and he goes up the middle. We've got Almiron on the right and to get him in and to reward him for his good performances, although there's been no kind of output in terms of goals, I'll put Joe Linton on the left. That's not his favourite position and it's clear to see, but ASM's probably not going to make the whole game, the whole 90 minutes, so we can shift things around depending on which way the game's going. But I think it just, it's a sign, it's a signal of intent and I would like to see him in the starting lineup to reward him for what he's done and also give him a bit of bit of confidence. There you go then. In terms of Arsenal, players that we're worried about, you've got obviously your Obama Youngs, you've got your Lacazettes, who I know they've not been firing on, on all cylinders this year, but I think it's the young players we need to watch out for. So the Emil Smith Rose, the Boyako Sackers. Who's a um, Tierney for me over two to watch. Tierney is Tierney not injured? I thought he's maybe. I thought maybe. I have a feeling he might be. We should probably look into that. But Hodge, players that you're worried about facing on Monday, or you think can make a difference, and that we have to be careful of and wary of. Yeah, I think you've kind of hit a nail on the head with Abamyang, uh, like I said. They, like you say, haven't really been firing, but they do have quality to produce something kind of special every now and again and that's all it takes sometimes that Smith Rowe looked electric when he came on I heard Ian Wright talking about him at half time uh, in the FA Cup game that we played against him and the kid came on and delivered exactly what Wright you said Yeah, I'd like to see us try and exploit two players on their team that I know are a bit wishy-washy at sometimes and that's David Luiz and Granit Xhaka if you can get into Xhaka's head he has a walking record yeah, yeah. and if you can apply pressure on David Luiz enough in a game he's going to give you a blunder and you can almost score from that every time there's something that you'll do and you just need to capitalise on a chance but if you can get at them players the two weakest players I think in their team yeah. might have a chance chinks in the armour mm-hmm. I can see uh, I can see Callum Wilson winding winding them up especially David Luiz I think he's got that bit of an edge to him Callum Wilson where he will cleverly in the same way that Shearer used to do it he knows how to wind defenders up mm-hmm. and he knows when to put a foot in or when to lean in and, you know, really get under their belts and kind of and wind them up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, yeah, that'll be an interesting showdown. Not too much. I mean, it's like a fucking deflating balloon. I mean, we're talking about the, the game, but is it is it written in the stars already? What do we think in terms of results? I know they're probably not going to be the most optimistic results from the three of us, but Gray, how do you see the game going in terms of in terms of goals? I'd like to be surprised, but um, thinking three 0 Arsenal. We never we never have a good record at the Emirates, and I don't think it's going to change. No, I think that's pro- that's probably fair, Hodgie. We've given Arsenal enough time to figure us out in the FA Cup. Arteta is <laughs> not going to make uh, the same mistake twice because obviously he's worked under Pep, and Pep doesn't allow that. So he's going to have some sort of similar mentality and I think Arsenal will beat us 2-0. I think also fair enough. I think that's a really good point. I mean, we had a full 120 minutes for Arteta to analyse how we play. That was pretty much the strongest lineup we could have put out and we've not come away with anything. So I can see it going a similar way, but just on the basis that Crystal Palace have gone out and got a 0-0 draw, I would like to see us do the same because we smack Crystal Palace around. Um, so... By that kind of defunct logic, 
I'm going to hope to the gods that we come away with something, and I'm going to say nil nil. Nil nil. That's going to be an exciting game to watch in much of a day, isn't it? <laughs> probably going to be it's probably going to be quite low well we can only hope that it's quite low down because that means it'll be uninteresting and it'll be a draw but in reality they're probably going to smack us my fucking brother there we go i can't wait to play arsenal it's so exciting but in the meantime hodge i think you have prepared a segment for this podcast it's not a quiz you'll be happy to know it's just a little bit of a a fun thing that i checked up on this arsenal game is going to be a day before my birthday i'm not going to get a nice birthday treat off any ufc this year but i thought (laughs) thought i'd have a look at what players share the same birthdays as us see if you can recognize see if you can recognize some of the names my list isn't amazing I've got um, Alfie Mawson, who is a Fulham player, but he's on loan. Where is he on loan, Will? Was it Bristol City? <laughs> Bristol City. And as I say, I only know that because I started a season on footy manager with Bristol City. It's going quite well, thank you. I got I got promoted. Well done, well done. Um, Thanks so much. I've also got Musa So, who we were interested in signing at one point. Joe Mario, Joe Mario, who was playing at West Ham, I think, in the Premier League at one point. And then Claudio Marchisio, who was an Italian football legend. Ah. I've also That's got probably the best one. I've also got Muggy Mike from Love Island. He played for like Boreham Wood or something. <laughs> uh, he was number one as the most famous on the list, <laughs> apparently. Jesus Will, you've got a decent amount. Oi, there you go. I mean everyone had everyone had over five hundred hits, but some you wouldn't even have a clue of. Your list starts off really quite good. Uh, Kingsley Coman uh, by oh. Player, player. Ryan Mason. You've got Klitsch from Leeds. Yeah. Kazuki Honda. Uh, Thomas, Thomas Party from Arsenal. Oh. Florin Maluda. And then this is when it gets worse. Alan Hansen. <laughs> oh, and then that. the Premier League legend that is Darius Purcell. Absolutely <laughs> 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 legend. Flash from the past, that one. Like, so I share a birthday with Alan Hansen. Yeah. Fucking hell. For anyone that doesn't know, by the way, my birthday is the 13th of June. I'll be expecting presents and cards and all that. Yeah. <laughs> For our adoring <laughs> fans. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not a bad list. I'll take that. Thanks, Hodge. It's a good list. Gray, you've got. I think you've got a decent little uh, list here. There's not. You got more than me. Just so you've got Javier Mascherano, who used to Ooh. play for Barcelona. Nice. You've got Ferlin Mendy, who was uh, the Real Madrid left back. Maxi Pereira, who used to play for Benfica and Uruguay. You've got Dixon Atuhu, who is also another blast from the past. <laughs> and um, of legend. You've got the world's greatest futsal player, Falcao. If you ever watch him on YouTube and his skill and stuff unreal the guy's got wizard control I swear to man and for anyone that doesn't know Gray's birthday is the 8th of June we'll be expecting cards and presents as I say you can send them anywhere and we'll get them (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh that's really interesting thanks so much Hodgie I feel enriched I'd back my team against your team oh 100% against my team yeah my team are you mad both your teams but no, oh, I think if, if there was a little round robin tournament, I think Will's team would be smashing. I definitely have the best five. Yeah, you'd, best you'd, five aside, you have yeah. the best attacking team going for sure. Oh, hundred p. I love Kingsley Kerman, such a talented player. Anyway, yeah, thanks, that Hodge. Okay, you can find us on Twitter at TOTT Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook by searching for Talk of the Tune Podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you could give us a follow and a five-star rating on either Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, any reputable 
podcast platform. We would very much appreciate it and we do appreciate your support. Thanks very much. All right, I think that just about rounds it up for this podcast. It's obviously been the it's probably been the most cheery podcast we've ever recorded, Nat. But it's really a true reflection of how we're all feeling and we can't hide the feelings and you can't polish a turd, that old saying. That turd is Stevie Bruce. Please get out of our club. But anyway, yes, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for your time, Gray and Hodge. And I guess we will see you after the Arsenal game. Good luck to us. Hope you all have a lovely weekend and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.